So today, on a holiday weekend, when so many of ours are enjoying school being out and a long holiday and are traveling, we in worship this morning are finishing our Walking with Nehemiah sermon series. So for the month of May, over these five Sundays, we've been looking at the lessons we can learn from Nehemiah. The first week, we talked about Nehemiah needing to have a vision and a clear vision. He got the news from um, back home of what the state of Jerusalem, and it broke his heart. And he remembered the vision, what God had called the Hebrew people to be, and he wanted to see that vision fulfilled. The clarity of that vision gave him boldness because he was able to take advantage of opportunities, to walk into the opportunity that God provided. He also was able to walk into understanding, to being sure he understood what it was that needed to be done. Instead of just assuming that he knew, he got out, surveyed it, made sure he had understanding so that he could make a plan, rally everyone around the plan. And then in our fourth sermon, we talked about staying the course, how he was opposed. People got tired within and didn't want to quit. People outside didn't want to see it happen. So there was opposition, there was tiredness, but he was able to stay focused because of that. Today we complete it by looking at the work having been finished. Nehemiah has been successful in building up the wall. And how do they wrap all that up? Today we're talking about walking back into faithfulness. Our scriptures are from the 8th chapter and the 10th chapter of the book of Nehemiah. In chapter 8, I'm reading verses 1 and 8. And then in chapters 10, I'm reading verses 28 and 29. Those first two verses are really needed to give us context. I invite you to hear God speaking to us through these words of Holy Scripture. Nehemiah 8. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. They read from the book of the law, of God, and clearly explain the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who were old enough to understand, They joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we look at finishing up this sermon series, We need to talk about what does it mean to be faithful? What is faithfulness? The story of Scripture is a long story of God being faithful, of making a covenant, of making an agreement with the people that he created and people's inability to be faithful to that covenant. God created a world and called it good. He created human beings and said, I'm going to let you be my representatives on this world. You should Rule the world. Control the chaos in the way I have created it. I'll tell you what's right and wrong, and, and, and you carry that out. But very quickly, human beings said, No, I think 
we'll be our own God. We'll, we'll decide right and wrong for ourselves. And so they ate of that one tree that God told them not to. And so the covenant was broken. We were not faithful to the agreement. Over and over and over, God keeps coming back to that covenant. After Noah, he makes a covenant and we're unfaithful. He raises up judges and judges can't make us faithful. He raises up kings and kings can't make us faithful. Prophets can't make us faithful. Rabbis interpreting the laws until there are 611 laws in the Old Testament can't make us faithful to the covenant. And the prophets have this vision that God gives them. God said, I didn't want to have to do any of that. I don't want you to need judges and laws and penalties and kings and police officers and judicial systems. What I want is to write on your hearts what it means to be righteous and just. To control yourself in ways that are in keeping with my will for you and to treat others that way. And if you do that, then I can bless you. That's our covenant agreement. And we have never been able to be faithful. And ultimately, God had to come in the person of Jesus Christ to show us what a life of righteousness and justice looked like. That's the life Jesus led his whole life. Righteous and just right up to the very end, no matter how everyone treated him. He gave us that example. He died because of that example. And his death and his resurrection gives us the opportunity to become more righteous through him. To take his righteousness on our own. To receive the Holy Spirit, which enables us to be more righteous and just. But we've never really been able to be faithful. But as we try, as we let God, as Methodists we talk about sanctification. Our returning the covenant relationship God offers us is the beginning, not the end. Because God gives us the righteousness of Christ and then begins to change us. To make us more like Christ. And that process is called sanctification. And we cooperate with it. We commit our will to God's will so that that can happen. God can help to make us more faithful. And in the story of Nehemiah and his work on rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, following their going off into exile, gives us four things that will help us cooperate with the Spirit of God in being more faithful to how he calls us to live. The first one is that they gathered. It says they gathered at a place near the water gate. They had a specific place to go and gather. The reality is that it is very difficult to be faithful to a commitment if you are the only person around who has that commitment. We need one another. We need the support and the strength of people to go through it with us. Think about it. If you've ever been on a diet and you go home for a holiday and you are the only one on a diet, and other people eat the fried chicken and the corn casserole and the desserts and the things that are not on your diet, it's really hard to stay on that commitment. I already want it anyway. But if it's there and I'm the only one, I'm not going to turn it down, I'm going to eat it. We need one another. But if I'm with a group of people, the staff goes out to lunch and everybody else at the table gets a salad, guess what Tammy's getting? She's going to order a salad. It's easier. 
John Wesley knew the power of this. It's why he put the early Methodists in groups, in classes and bands for support, for accountability, because we are stronger together. One of the keys to things, whether it is diet or whether it is recovery from addiction, is having the support of others with us. My friends, Christianity is not intended to be a Lone Ranger religion. We come together because we are stronger together. We are better together. And we are more likely to be faithful when we love and encourage one another. The second thing that they did is they read the Word of God and they worshipped. They got into Scripture. They heard it read and they worshipped God. I still say that what we do on Sunday morning is one of the most countercultural things that we can do. Everything else in the world around us tells us you should be the center of your existence. You should live to make yourself happy. Whatever you want, you should get. You deserve it. Have a break today. You deserve it. Well, we find our worth in God, created in God's image, but we come to worship to remind ourselves that God is the center of the world, to realign ourselves with a living God who wants better for us and better for this world than it currently is, who is righteous and holy and just. And we come into His presence. Now, worship is different than attendance. In the same way that standing in a garage does not make you a car, or going to a football game does not make you a football player. Coming does not necessarily make you a disciple of Jesus. Just being in church doesn't mean that you will connect with the Spirit of God. But I can assure you this, the Spirit of God is here. And God wants to connect with you. If there's a problem with the connection, it may be because we're not opening our ears to hear. We're not being sure it's plugged in. I couldn't figure out why my phone was not charging this weekend. I'd had that sucker plugged in for 12 hours. Why does the battery keep going down instead of up? Well, the reason is because I had pulled it out of the block at the plug. It's plugged into my phone, but it's not plugged into the power source. When you come to worship, make sure that you plug in to the presence of God, that you access it, and you receive what you need. The third thing that they did is they instructed one another. They made sure that people who understood what the law said explained it to everyone so they could give them the context. This is what this looks like. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what was meant when they wrote this down. Sometimes we need to understand. We need to look at how do we apply it? What does this have to do with me? I cannot help but think that people who had grown up in Babylon who had been carried off into exile before their parents and their grandparents had been carried, 120 years or so before the work of Nehemiah, that they were ousted from their homeland. When they read the words that Moses instructed them for how to, how to worship God in the tabernacle in the wilderness, when they read that, did they think, I don't know what that has to do with us. Like, we're not in the desert anymore. 
they needed someone to say, so this is what this may look like for us. This is what we think we're supposed to do now. This is where we're leading you. That for us happens in worship, in the sermon part, but it also happens very powerfully in small groups, in your Sunday school classes, in your small group gatherings, where you read and you discuss and iron sharpens iron and we discover what the Word of God, which is living and active, says to us in our world today. And the final and fourth thing that they did was they committed to it. Once they had gathered, once they had heard, once they understood, they committed themselves to it. The ancient covenants are interesting things because they would take an animal, cut it in half, this is the lovely part, and put the two halves of the animal out there. And they would walk between it. And by doing so, what they're saying is, this is what, how I commit to be in relationship with you. And if I break my word, may what has happened to this animal happen to me. I'm a person of my word. I commit to living this way. Human beings entered into a covenant with God. He said, if you will live this way, with righteousness and justice, then I will bless you and keep you. But if you break my commands, then you'll mess up the world that I created. You'll mess up your relationships with one another and you'll mess up your relationship with me. So they had to commit to try to be faithful. And we do that. We do that. We talk about how. How are we going to do that? And how are we going to understand and be sure that we know what we're committing to? As United Methodist Christians, we do it with what's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Quad just means four. If you've ever been on a quad runner, little four-wheeler to ride. There are four things, scripture, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. But it's not a square. It has four sides, but they're not all equal. I like the example of a biscuit. So now some of you are understanding why I served you biscuits today. If you didn't get one on the way in, get one or two or five on your way home. Put some in your pocket so I don't have to eat them for the rest of the week. But a very simple biscuit can have four ingredients in it. You start with flour. Flour is important because that's what you need to make a biscuit. You can start with something else. You can start with cornmeal. You might get something really tasty. You can have some great cornbread, but it will not be a biscuit. In order for it to be Christianity, in order for it to be our faith, we must start with Scripture. And Scripture is the most important and the largest ingredient that goes into it. The second thing that you add in a simple biscuit is butter. We take some butter and we cut it in. Because now the flour begins to stick together. It begins to get some body to it. It begins to not just be loose flour that can be blown around. It holds together a little bit. That is tradition. We are not the first people, nor will we be the last people that God will ever speak to. So we listen to what has God said to those who went before us. What did they discover when they dug into scriptures? Not because it is infallible, but because we listen to one another. We hear what the Spirit is saying, and together we discern what God is calling us to do. So the butter brings that together, and then we add a little milk so that it can become a dough. It all begins to come together. Now it all sticks together. 
We don't see butter and flour. We begin to see a dough. And this is our reason. Friends, I'm so thankful that we are not asked to check our brains at the door. To come into the worship of God and into faith and into delving into Scripture and prayer and just click our brain off. No, God gave us our brains and we apply it to the task of figuring out how to be God's ambassadors in this world. So that's what the milk represents. And then, to make it taste as good as it can, you've got to throw in a dash of salt. Salt is our experience. It brings it all together. It brings it to life. It brings out the flavor. That's how we go, aha, I see how that works now. Experience is good. If you get those ingredients out of proportion to one another, you will not get a good biscuit. If there's too much butter, that biscuit will crumble all over the place and you will not be able to put Miss Jean's good sausage and bacon in it like she did some of those this morning and eat it because you'll be picking up the crumbs with your hands. If you get too much milk, it'll, it gets runny. It's too loose. You can't cut it out into a good biscuit. And if you put too much salt, it will not be worth eating. If you have ever mistaken salt and sugar in a recipe... You know it's important to get it in the right amount, the right thing. So we use our reason, our experience, and the tradition to help us properly interpret, to rightly divide, some of the translations say, the Word of God, so that we can know and commit ourselves to it. This is what we see Nehemiah and the Israelites doing. They saw the vision they stayed the course. They worked hard. They faced opposition. They finished the task and they said, we choose to live as God's people in this place. We, each day, each moment of a day, have the opportunity to say, however everybody else is going to live, whatever else they're doing, no matter how overwhelming the news may be about what is going on, I choose to live as a child of God. I choose to walk in the light. I choose to stay committed to the God of creation, to the Savior who redeemed me, to the Holy Spirit that empowers me to live a life of righteousness and justice. May God help us so do. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you have called us to be your people. Teach us to be faithful. Give us hearts of faithfulness that want to serve you and make us strong enough to do it. As we gather, as we understand, as we wrestle with what we don't understand, may we commit our lives to you. In Christ's name, amen. As we have a song of response, I invite you to respond as God is leading you. The kneelers are always open if you'd like to come and pray. Just wave at one of us. A pastor would be happy to pray with you, but we don't have to. If you want to profess Christ as your Savior or choose to join our church and say, this is where God is calling me, you may do that at this time. But we invite you to stand and sing Waymaker and respond as God calls you to this morning.